0: And you're feeling better, which is a good thing also, yeah, amen, yeah, amen, amen. Let's pray together. God, it's good to be in your presence, it's good to be in your place, God, where we can come and meet with you with other believers. God, we know you're not limited to this place, but we know that every time we come here that you meet with us here. God, I pray that this morning as we start this new series on Jonah, that we would, uh, we would find, find meaning in it again. God, I pray that you would, you would use, use me this morning once again. God, would you, would you fill, my, fill my lungs with your air? That the words that are coming out of my mouth would be yours and not mine. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we're going to be talking about Jonah for the next four weeks. And Jonah uh, is, is one of those books that uh, rarely makes it out of like the children's story category. right? Uh, it's something that we, we think of, and, and actually a lot of us, even if you didn't grow up in the church, have at least probably heard of or you would recognize a story if I was just to read it right now. Uh, I, I want us, though, I want us to, to focus this morning and for the next three weeks after this, we're going we're gonna to focus together on, on taking this story, removing it from, from simply just being a children's story, and allowing it to to kind of enter the the rest of the narrative of scripture that can shape our lives and that can shape our faith as Christians. And so I, I want to do that. If you if you would turn with me to the book of Jonah, uh and uh if you, need, if you need one of our Bibles, it's on uh, page 654 in our Pew Bibles. Uh, and it, it is, uh, again, it's a, it's a familiar story, right? It's about a guy who, who, uh, who, who doesn't want to do what God wants him to do. So, uh, so he runs from God and God puts him in the belly of a whale, right? And then and he lights a candle and he gets thrown up on stage on, on, uh, on the shore and, and gets to be a real boy for the rest of his life, right? Isn't that the story? No, that's, that's a little different story. That's Pinocchio, but it's really similar in some ways. Right, but it is—it's—it uh, is familiar. It's about—it's a story about a—a a reluctant prophet who has a lot to say about our lives and our faith. If I think if we can just listen and, and look at it and kind of remove it from the children's story category. So we're gonna—we're just gonna jump in today. We're gonna start reading at verse—verses—verse one, obviously. And then we're just gonna read the first three verses just to give us a little bit of context here about what's—what's what's going on in this book. Where—where where are we going in the future? What's What's going on, right? So let's read Jonah chapter 1, 1 to 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard. And sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. I want to stop right there. I think this gives us some great context as we get going here, right? God, God is uh, uh, even if we just start over here, right? Verse one: The word of the Lord came to Jonah. I think there's there's some good news this morning, right? That that, that the word of the Lord. Can not only come to Jonah, but it can come to any one of us, right? That, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, but it doesn't just come to Jonah. It comes to, to each and every one of us as we do that, right? Jonah, Jonah's name actually is is Dove, right? That's what it means. It means Dove. And I think actually his father's name is even cooler as a prophet, right? His father's name, App, not Apatai, Amatai, yeah. Uh, it means truth, right? So I love this. It's, it's Jonah... Son of Truth, as a prophet, I think that's just the coolest name as a prophet uh, but then Nineveh uh, Nineveh is the the capital of assyria and and, and assyria and nineveh is is israel 's worst enemy right they are they are mortal enemies Syria is just brutal, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Israel hated, like there was just, there was not, it wasn't even a love-hate relationship. It was just a straight hate-hate relationship between Israel and Nineveh. There was nothing that either of them liked about the other one, right? And so, so we get to verse 1. It says, the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, All right? The good news today, like I said, is the word of the Lord can come to you as well because we have a God who loves to speak, we have a God who loves to speak, right? God spoke creation into being, right? We, we read John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We, we, we hear all over Scripture that God is a speaking God, and all throughout Scripture and all throughout history, God has spoken in many different ways, right? We read some in Scripture of God speaking in an audible voice, and there's some today who claim that they've, they've heard the audible voice of God. Right? We, we see also in Scripture that, that he can communicate with the angels, or through the voice of the prophets, or, or through circumstances, or, or by the Holy Spirit. Right? Today, we, the, the most common way that we can hear the Word of God and see the Word of God and read the Word of God is in this book, which is the Bible, which is called what? The, the Word of God. Right, the word of God comes to you and it comes to me today in the same way that it came to, that it came to Jonah. God's word will come to you. That's, that's, that's the good news this morning. That God's word will come to you. But, but I think as we, as, we, as we keep going in this story, there's, there's some challenging news also, right? That the word of God might come to you, but here's your first film. When it comes to you, he's often going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. God is often going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. Right, verse 2, God asked Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh. <laughs> go to Nineveh. Preach against them. Because its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah doesn't want to go, right? Jonah runs away from God. Well, I think, why, why doesn't he want to go, right? I think it's because Jonah feels like he knows better. I think Jonah feels like he knows better. God says to Jonah, go, go to Nineveh, preach against it. I've, I've, I've seen and heard about their wickedness. You need to go. Jonah's like, hold on a second. Let me just think about this. I know these Ninevites. I know how brutal they are. I know how violent they can be. You're asking me, an Israelite, to go by myself to Nineveh and then talk about how bad they are to them. This is going to go great. This is going to go awesome. I'm in. Right? No, this is, this is uh, Jonah, obviously. Like the, the reaction, it actually kind of fits a little bit, right? He doesn't want to go. He, he kind of feels like he knows better. And I think sometimes we do the same thing. The Word of God comes to us. It's something we don't want to do. Right? And we just say, well, I don't know if you really meant that. I don't know if that's what you meant for me to do, God. I'm, I'm hearing you. I feel like I'm hearing you loud and clear. But uh, I, maybe there's just this part of my life that maybe you just don't get right now. Maybe you just don't understand this part of me. Because if you really understood this part of me, you wouldn't really ask me to go do that. Because that is just not, not me. So, so, so no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry, God. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. All right, we, th- we think we know better. At least we convince ourselves that we know better, right? I remember we were last, last uh, January... Which is not, yeah, last January, eight months ago. <laughs> I'm so confused on time right now. Uh, I, I went down to San Diego. We were learning a new registration system for Elevate, the event that I run every May in San Diego, All right? And and one of the first things we did, we sat down with our computers, and uh, he said, "All right, this is how you log on. Here's some instructions to get you logged on. Uh, let's see if anybody makes the mistake that everybody makes when they try and log on, right? And there's this full page of instructions." on how to log on, and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I already know computers. Like, I've run computers for literally my entire life. I can, I can log on to something. I mean, come on, right? You've given me my username. I can do this, right? And so, of course, I'm, I'm the, the youngest one at the table by about 20 years. None of the other ones are, are really good at computers and know what they're doing a lot. So I, I've, I've got this, right? In my mind, it's almost like a competition. I've got this. I'm just going to beat all these guys. I need to go to the bathroom anyway, so let me just finish this, and then I'll go, and then when I get back, maybe they'll be done, right? <clears throat> so I get, I get onto the computer, and I start to do this, and an error pops up. You don't have the right credentials. I was like, I don't have the right credentials. I'm typing in exactly what they gave me, right? And uh, so I said, hey, what's going on here? I saying I don't have the right credentials. Do I need a new password or something like that? And he said, nope, you made the mistake. You did exactly what I told you not to do. Like, okay. He so said, read the inst- go through it again. This time, read the instructions. You don't know better. <laughs> it's like, okay, there it is. A little put in my place a little bit, right? I thought I knew better. I thought I, thought I, I knew what I was doing. I thought it was some, such a, just a, a simple task that I could do it by myself, right? I, I didn't think that I needed anybody else to teach me how to log into something, right? But there was, there was a certain way and there was a certain process and all that stuff that I needed to do. And I think Jonah, in this case, I think he feels like he knows better, right? And, and we might be thinking, well, Jonah is a prophet, right? And so preaching is kind of what he does, so why wouldn't he go and preach? I don't understand. I think if you if you understand the history of, of Nineveh and, and especially the, the kingdom of Assyria and Israel, and the, the Syrian Empire is just brutal. Right? If they were attacking someone, it was like it was they, they took no prisoners. Like it was it was awful stuff. Right? It, it, just in the way that they held captives and the way that they, they tortured people. And in fact, their, their torture and their brutality at times. Like, if a town or a city heard that the Assyrians were coming to take them over, there would be a majority of that city that chose to commit suicide rather than to allow them to come and to kill them the way that they do. Right? This is the kind of brutality that happens. And so, so you can see, like, Jonah probably, probably has heard of this stuff. Right? He, he might have had friends that have, that have lived in cities like this. right? Jonah, Jonah doesn't, doesn't want to go. Jonah gets called to this place, the capital city of this empire. I, I read a bunch of, of commentaries this week, and, and I just kept thinking, man, I kind of feel for Jonah now. I always kind of like thought Jonah was like, why wouldn't you go? God calls you to do it. Just go do it. You're a prophet anyways. Why, why aren't you going? If you're, if you're a prophet and your job is to preach, then why, not, why don't you just go preach? Right? I get it now. I kind of feel for Jonah a little bit. I feel for for why he didn't want to go. I kind of have a little bit of sympathy for him. God says, Go. And in his mind, Jonah had some really legitimate reasons to not go like life and death reasons not to go. God, you're calling me to go into this place. I know how brutal they are. You're calling me to go and to preach against them, to tell them all the things that they are doing are wrong. And you just think they're going to take it? I, I know how this ends up. I, I've seen this story before. And no, I'm not going. And so he goes and he, he runs, right? Maybe, maybe you can relate to that, having a legitimate reason not to go. Hey, I want you to go talk to this person. I want you to, to go do this. And you, you feel it so strongly. Right? And we do this all the time with some, some even just basic things in Scripture, right? Even just the commandment to forgive, right? God, I understand that I have this, I, have, uh, I understand that you've told me to forgive everyone. I understand that you told me to forgive this person. But you don't understand this person. what this person did to me. God, you don't understand how I, f- how I really feel about this person. I, I have a legitimate reason not to forgive this person. Or even something like the like like tithing, the biblical thing of tithe. God, if you just understood. I mean you don't see my budget every month. You don't understand, like I just I just can't do it. Right? Or or even just the just there's a lot of things in scripture like that that we are that we are called to do. Like, hey, go tell people about Christ. Oh, you know I would. I would, God but you, you don't know, you, you don't understand. What if they reject me? What if I get made fun of? What if they don't like that I'm talking to them about Jesus? What, what about this? I know we have legitimate reasons. We have, we have legitimized. I don't know, we've legitimized, there it is. We've legitimized these reasons in our own head to not do the things that Scripture calls us to do. I just want to, I want to say this morning that that delayed obedience is disobedience. If God calls you to do something and you don't want to do it, that's disobedience there's a there's a another pastor in California his name's Aaron McManus. He talks about this concept as and he talks about kind of uh uh He talks about this concept of lag in regards to spiritual maturity. And he said, I I can see, basically, this is in a nutshell, I can see how mature the people in my congregation are by the lag in between when God tells them to do something and when they do it. If there's a delay, he says, I know there's some work to do in their spiritual maturity. There's a, there's a lag there. My, my prayer for our church is that, that there wouldn't be any lag. That if God calls us to do something, we're, we're on it and we're going. Right, but here's, here's the thing. God is going to call you to do something, probably even call you to do something that you don't want to do. And when he does that, here's the next thing that we learn from Jonah. You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Hey, I, I want to I wanna obey a God in this, right? You, you hear from God, hey, I, I want to obey God. I want to do this. God, I feel like you're, you're calling me to do this, to change this part of my life. And then what happens is we get home from church or, or we, we sleep on it and Monday morning comes around and we get a phone call from that person we haven't talked to in like 10 years who reminds us of the exact thing that we just said we wouldn't do anymore. That's not a coincidence. That's, that's a Satan thing. He's going after you because you made a commitment to do something for God. Right? And, and what we do is sometimes we, we take the bait and we run. We, we, just, we do the thing that we said we wouldn't do. Right? Verse 3, even in Jonah, Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Jaffa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee the Lord. All right, and this, 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 this isn't just a little bit in the wrong direction for Jonah. Right, Tarshish is like 2,500 miles in the other direction. Not just a, it's not like a little jaunt like across the bay. Right, no, this is, this, is a, this is a long way. There's one commentary I read this week that said it might have taken him a year to get there if he actually did it. All right, this, is, this, is a, this is saying no to God in a very, very real way. Like, uh, there's Nineveh. If Nineveh is west, I'm not going west. I'm going east, and I'm going as far east as I can even think about because I'm not going there. I'm not doing it. All right, this isn't just a little bit of the wrong direction. There, this is really far away. Some of you maybe can relate to what I'm talking about right now. You may be sitting next to someone who thinks you're right on track, but in your heart you know that you've been running and you've been running for a really long time. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been running, I, the word of the God, the word of the Lord came to you and said, "I want you to do this." And now oh, I know that's what you want, God, but I just I can't. And we run, and we 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 understand that that we can run for a while but we can't run forever. You can run from God for a while, but you, but you can't run forever. And, and maybe you're just drifting. I think when we disobey the commandments of God intentionally or in, unintentionally, we just start to drift. We start to drift a little bit. It's almost like like going to the ocean. You know, when you go to the ocean and you're swimming in the ocean, and you, you've just been in the ocean for a while, you're swimming around, and then all of a sudden you look up and, and the place that you started is like 50 yards down the coast? Because the ocean is just kind of taking you. You've been having fun, you've been doing your own thing, and the ocean just kind of takes you down, takes you down, takes you down. And you look up and you're like, I don't know where I'm at right now. You look up and you don't recognize anything. You look up and, and things aren't what they seem to be because your, your perspective has changed. Maybe, maybe you're just drifting a little bit. You're separating yourself from God. I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us right here. I really do. I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. You can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. But here's the the next point. That if you find that boat sailing in the wrong direction, God might send a storm to get your attention. God might send a storm to grab your attention. Let's read from from verse 4. We're going to go to verse 10 right now. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. I just want to say, this is, this is their livelihood, right? These, these sailors are freaking out right now. Not only are they, they're throwing over probably what they're getting paid to take to Tarshish because of this storm, right? They are they're, they're freaking out because of this storm. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Who, what is your country? What people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. At this point, I just want to be like, do you? <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really, do you? What are you doing right now? Where do you find yourself? You're on a boat running away from this God? Yeah, anyways. <clears throat> Verse 10, this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. We'll stop right there for a little bit. I, I find this, like I said, I find that really interesting that, that they, they asked him, Who's your God? And he says, I'm a Hebrew. I, I, I worship the God who created everything, created the earth and the sea. I just find it really ironic that he's in a boat running from this God that he claims to worship. I mean, just a, just a side note here. How many of us do that exact same thing? We are in the boat, going the wrong direction, running from what God has for us, running from the things that God has called us to do. And yet, if anybody was to ask us, who would absolutely say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I follow Christ. Really? What are you doing right now? Oh, you, you follow Christ. You're just going the other way. Right, okay. I, I think, I think there's, there's kind of a, again, I'm on a soapbox and I apologize. I think there's kind of an epidemic in our culture right now where there's a lot of people who, who call themselves Christians by name. And yet if you were to take an intimate look at their life, they are on the boat running from God. They might have been there for a really long time. But if you were to ask them, they're still going to put on that mask and say, yep, I follow Christ, I'm a Christian. I I think think that's one of the things that hurts the church's witness in our culture today is that a lot of times the people that claim Christ don't look any different than the people that don't. And there should be a difference. There should be that difference. All right, so, so... I'll step off my soapbox now. <clears throat> so the sailors are freaking out at this point, right? They're, they're going crazy. They're, think, they're thinking we're going to die right now, right? And, and because they think they're going to die, they are literally throwing their livelihood off of the boat. Right? He's on a cargo ship, and they're throwing off the cargo. Can you imagine the, the, when they get to where they're going? What happened, guys? That was, Why should I pay you? What are you, what, you threw off what we told you to bring. What is going on here? Right? They, are, they, are, they are casting out their, their cargo. They're casting out everything right? just to, to live. And then Jonah realizes at this point, and I think maybe this is where Jonah is able to say, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God that created everything. I think he's realizing this is my fault. This is my fault. I know this is my fault. And here's, here's what he says in verse 11. The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great, great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to, to row back to land, <laughs> but they couldn't. The sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. I think this is incredible. I think that there's just so many different parts of the story that I love. Jonah Jonah begins to realize, this is my fault. I'm disobeying God. I'm running from God. This is my fault. What do we got to do? Jonah, what are we going to do here? What do we do? What God are you serving? What are we going to do to make this stop? Throw me overboard. The sea will become calm. All right. You kind of have to question at this point, does Jonah Jonah just, is Jonah resigning himself to, to death out of disobedience right now? Or is Jonah trusting that God is going to take care of him either way? I'm not sure that there's an answer to that. But I think it would be fascinating to talk to Jonah at some point up in heaven and be like, what were you thinking right there? When he told those guys to throw you overboard, what was going through your mind? We all know the end of the story. We know that it turns out okay, but what, like what happened, Right? And I love that even, even in the midst of the storm, even in the midst of, of this storm where, where Jonah is disobedient to God, God sends a storm to get his attention. At the end of the storm, what happens? God is glorified. People come to know God because of the storm and what happened in the storm. Man, storms can be amazing things sometimes. Right? So God might send a storm to grab your attention. <clears throat> and then here's the, here's the last thing is this, that Jonah's worst nightmare ended up being exactly what he needed. Jonah's worst nightmare ended up being exactly what he needed. Jonah is is in the middle of the storm, realizes it's his fault, gets thrown into the sea, the sea calms down, and then verse 17, now the Lord Provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Joni was in, Joni. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. First of all, gross, gross. Second of all, man, how amazing is that? That God, it it doesn't just say a a random big fish comes and swallows Jonah. No. God provided a a big fish, a huge fish, to come and to swallow Jonah. And Jonah spends three days and three nights inside the belly of this fish. Man, I, I think if there was ever like a a moment where where God could have said, like, okay, now do I have your attention? This was it. Do I have your attention now, Jonah? I asked you to do something. Do do you get it? Do I have your attention now? How long do you need to sit in this belly? I I, I love that that Jonah's worst nightmare. Jonah Jonah is, is running from God in this storm, I would think he probably thinks he's going to die going overboard. And he gets swallowed by, swallowed by a big fish. Now, do I have your attention? Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, that every bad thing that happens in your life is God trying to get your attention. But here's what I am saying. Is it out of the bad things going on in your life? Could God use those to get your attention? Absolutely. 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 God can use your worst nightmare. God can use the, the storms in your life and actually give you exactly what you need. So here's what we know from Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord is going to come to you. You have a choice. You can obey, you can disobey. You can obey, you can disobey. If you choose to disobey, just know there's always going to be a ship that will take you where you're going. There's always going to be a ship going in the wrong direction. But if you take that ship, God might send a storm to grab your attention. But I guarantee at the end of it, He'll come through. At the end of it, He'll give you exactly what you need. To get through. And here's what, here's what this is all about. Why would he do all this? He does it because he loves you. And he does it because he has something for you. There's a city or a group of people or something that God wants you to do. And he's not going to stop until you say Yes. He has, a, he has a group of people for you to impact. And you can, you can keep running. You can get on as many ships away, headed to Tarshish as possible. Or you can come back. And like we talked about two weeks ago, the answer is yes. What's the question? I'm excited to keep going on Jonah here. We're going to spend a few more weeks talking about this story and how it ends But I want you to think this week. What is God asking you to do? What is it in your life today, this week, that God is asking you to do? Where is He asking you to go? Who is He asking you to talk to? Whose lives is He putting you in so that you can give them a touch? My prayer is that, that, you, that you aren't like Jonah this week. That we take a lesson from Jonah. That we don't get on the ship headed away. But we say yes. Say yes this week. Let's pray. God, we are honored to be in your presence again this morning. God, there's a lot we can learn from Jonah. And we will over the next few weeks. But God, this morning, I pray that you would, you would begin to show us over the course of this next week, and even today, God, as we leave, what it is that you're calling us to do. Where do you want us to go? What do you want us to say? Who do you want us to speak to? Who do you want us to touch? And God, this week, would we say yes? But we say yes to you, yes to your will. We love you, and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And we just pray a prayer of blessing over you. Let me pray this out of First Thessalonians. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. May you go in peace this week. And may you say yes to what God has in store. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go in peace.